a lot of times men in general, they feel they need to be in charge. They feel they need to be powerful and they mistreat women with their tone, with their voice. They feel like they're superior and they demand, they expect things to take place. This is the Becoming a Better Man podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Wright, where we talk about real men with real feelings, all sharing our search to become the best version of ourselves possible and what it takes to get us there. Guys, welcome back. This is the Becoming a Better Man podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wright, and I've got a really special episode for you guys today. Uh, It's with a friend of mine who I feel is probably one of the better male role models around. Also happens to be a physical therapist. That's actually how we had connected. And uh, just kind of through mutual connections and and a mutual business coach and mentor and program that we've gone through together, even though we're in different parts of the country, uh, we're still very connected and very much in touch with each other. And uh, I want to introduce you guys to the guest this week by the name of Corey Rankin. Corey, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, Jason. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I want to do is... um, kind of we've got some questions here that we're going to ask Corey and get his perspective on things because I don't want this to all just be about me and my experiences and my perspectives but I also want to bring in other men who I look up to who I respect who can offer their own perspectives and their own opinions and their own advice based off of the way their life has gone and what they've seen with coming in contact with other men and uh, and people who they've aspired to be like and things like that so I think it's really great to have Corey on the show this week. Um, Corey, just real quickly, if you don't mind to just uh, share a little background on yourself. All right. I am a foster parent over the last eight years. We've had 30 children in our home. Um, My wife's a nurse and I'm a physical therapist and we've been married 12 years. I love sports. I love the outdoors. I have five children of my own two three three four and seven so i just really love being a dad being a husband and i am a, my wife and i are relationship coaches and we just love to have fun that's that's about it wow wow that is awesome that is so cool so that that got me thinking about something too because um you know you're talking about in in it i can see it even just you know like i said Corey and i know each other outside of of this interview but um from what I've seen of Corey is that he has a genuine passion and, and love of being a dad. And, uh, and, you know, I always felt crazy when, you know, people would kind of ask like, what are your goals? Like, what's this, what's that? You know, and I've, I've got some different professional and career oriented business oriented goals and things like that, but I don't have like a clear picture. The only thing that I do have a clear picture of, and this always sounded, you know, really, uh, effeminate to admit to my guy friends. But honestly, like the thing that I only see clearly in my future is being a husband and a father. And that, like, that sounds crazy to say, but it's, I feel like, I don't know, Corey, you can disagree with me, but I feel like you're kind of similar in having that as one of your top accomplishments. Yeah. So my 
I've got two brothers and two sisters, but ever since I was a kid, just watching the way my dad took care of my mom, my dad never missed a sporting event ever. One example, I was, I wrestled in high school and this one particular day I was wrestling in a tournament or just a match and I could hear my dad yelling from the stands and the match was going well. He was yelling and then he went quiet because I got stuck in a bad position and I reversed and then he went crazy. But I knew my dad was there. I could hear him. I could even hear my dad on the football field. As ridiculous as that is, my dad was always there for me. And because of that, I knew I needed to be a dad that was always present for his kids. Wow. And that's awesome. And that's, you know, honestly, um, as, as fantastic as that is on the other side of things, that's, um, you know, that's something that a lot of, a lot of boys and not like, not just young men, but I mean, young women as well and little and girls, but, uh, especially guys, do you feel like your father helped you become the man that you are today? Or do you feel like maybe that came from, from influence from another great man that you aspired to be? Um, all of the above. So I would say the four greatest influences, my father, my best friend's dad, my uncle, and one of my youth leaders at church, probably the four biggest influences growing up through high school. And then. Man, that's awesome. Um, what, what would you say is, or the quality, the overarching theme of, of what those four men embodied? What was it about them that made the biggest impact on you? They were selfless. They always put the needs of others first, especially their wife, especially their children. A lot of individuals, especially in this world, they want instant gratification. They want what's in it for me. But those four men, they wanted, didn't care what was in it for them. They wanted to take care of their family. They wanted to take care of their wives and their children. And that is what brought um, that respect from me is because I saw the way that those four men cared for their wife and I saw that the mother that they were to her children because of the care that they received from their husband. And I had lots of other friends that didn't have that peace at home and the huge difference. It trickled down clear to the children at school with their friends on the sport uh, field, anything. And so strong relationships correlate with everything in life, good or bad. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Wow. That's, that is like really profound um, because it's been interesting to see, uh, you know, like, like, for example, in my life, um, you know, my, my father wasn't really around um, due to, you know, they were, they divorced at a very young age of mine and, and things like that. So, you know, there was some friction and, you know, as I, as I grew older, like there was conflict and, and I started to, uh, harbor grudges and resentment and things like that. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny. One of the things that had been brought up in one of my therapy sessions was that oftentimes, um, if there is a, a, a male role model, doesn't always have to be positive, but if there's a male figure in a young person's life, it, once they reach a certain age and they're starting to kind of figure out who they want to be and how they want to live their life and things like that, 
they can fall into one of two traps. One is you can take after the negative qualities of that, that male influence, or you can make a stark 180 and go try to go as hard the opposite direction as you can. Um, has that been kind of what your experience has been in talking and referencing some of those friends or people that you knew who didn't have the same positive influences that you did? Yeah, absolutely. I could see of those four men, my father, my best friend's dad, my uncle, and my youth leader, I could see those four. And I knew that when I was in their presence, I felt good. I felt peace. I was happy. So I wanted to repeat those qualities. And I knew when I was in the presence of other friends, parents, and there was a lot of yelling and tension at home, I wanted nothing to do about that. And that's one reason that I've said on multiple occasions, the way that these men treated their wives really stuck out to me because a lot of times men in general, they feel they need to be in charge. They feel they need to be powerful and they mistreat women with their tone, with their voice. They feel like they're superior and they demand, they expect things to take place. And I saw that in a lot of friends that they didn't talk kindly to the husband, didn't talk kindly to his wife and the children picked that up. And then they back talked to their, their wife and they had problems with their girlfriends and things like that. And that was absolutely something that really bothered me. Anytime that a, a woman was treated poorly, it's not okay. And it really bothers me when I see that because they, they deserve to have a good husband. They deserve to have a good father to their children. And so to see that difference, good or bad, it most definitely, I, I went opposite of what I saw that was negative and gravitated to absolutely what I felt good around and where I found peace. Wow. You, um, you know, you said something during that, that, that really got me thinking and, you know how we are as physical therapists, we tend to just improvise. And so I've got all these questions and I'm just going to call an audible right now. Um, you, you'd said something about how, how men can, and, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, how, how we can oftentimes uh, in a misguided fashion, try to assert, you know, the, the, the powerful role or, you know, the leadership role and things like that in the dynamic of, of the marriage or the relationship or the family. And they'll do it in a negative way and in like a, um, an aggressive fashion. What advice would you give to a man who, who feels like that's, that's what it's like to be a man is to be like powerful. And how can that be shown in a healthier way? Well, I think that a saying that I use frequently is my wife and I are relationship coaches. We just want peace in home. We want you to find joy in your spouse. We want a strong family connection. And so one thing I say often is do better and be better. We all make mistakes. We all have days where we're, our tone is poor or we're grumpy or we're this, but if we do better, we will become better. And so that, that won't change overnight, but if I do better today than I did yesterday. If I, yesterday I raised my voice with my children or my spouse and I do better today, I calm and peace, then I will become better in the long run. And so one thing that I, I recommend when people feel like they need to have that power is it only serves yourself when you have to have that power. 
you're not winning. There's no trophy to be had for who's the toughest, who's the best, who's the coolest. The only trophy worth even aspiring to is who treats their family the most. One thing I like to think about is when your children are at school, are they saying, oh, my dad is so cool. He's always there for me. He teaches me. He helps me with everything I need. Or he says, no, my dad's a loser dad. He's not there. He's never around. He works too much. He yells at me too often. He never shows up to my sporting events. He misses every school play. And so I, I ask people that all the time, would your children consider you the cool dad? They look up to you. They want to be around you. They want to do the things that you're doing. Or are you the no-show dad? Are you not present? Are you not there? And when we feel like we have that power or need that power as a man, we might actually be that no-show dad in the minds of our children. And that would be devastating if that's how my children reflected their thoughts of me as their father, as the no-show. Or someone they don't they don't want to be home. They'd rather be at their friend's house because there was more peace there. They they were treated better there. And so if you feel like you have to be dominant, think to yourself, what am I saying to my children? What is the perspective my children have? Nobody cares. Nobody wants to be dominated. Nobody wants to be inferior. And that happens sometimes as a man. And I, I don't think that's the qualification of being a man is being strong and dominant. The characteristic of being a real man is someone that protects his family, someone that serves selflessly and loves the people around him, family and friends, willing to serve. And one experience, I in Vegas, there's a lot of homeless individuals. And so one day I was going to a visit with one of my foster children. They were having a visit with their biological parent and it was raining. There's a lot of homeless individuals there. And I was stopped at a stoplight on my way home. It was raining. And I asked this, this guy, he was walking with, um, just bare feet. And I asked him, I was like, what size shoe do you have? And, um, he said 11 and my shoes were 10 and a half. And I pulled them off at the red light and gave them to him. And he was so grateful. And my kids happened to see me when I got home and got out of the car. And my seven-year-old says, dad, where's your shoes? And I said, mm, I, I gave them, I don't, I took them off. And he's like, you took them off. Why would you take them off? Well, I said, someone needed them more than me. And for weeks, he thought I was the best thing ever that I gave my shoes to someone that needed them more than me. And I think that's the definition of a true man is someone that is willing to provide for the needs of others. You hear often a father figure. A lot of times your children, their friends are, are in your home often, or at least in my home. And for me as a foster parent, I will play that role of a dad, of a father to anyone. And so that when you hear the word father figure, I think it just means someone that is willing to protect and provide and take care. And so I had other shoes at home. So to me, it wasn't that big a deal. But to my seven-year-old son, I was like a hero because I gave someone shoes. But he, he's the kind of kid that just loves everyone that if we see a homeless individual, he's like, Dad, what do we have? Can you give him food? And so he's the one that taught me that lesson in the long run is just, if I have abundance, being a real man would be sharing and taking care of others. And that That's what I think is powerful, not being dominant or superior over someone. Wow. Yeah, I, wow, that was really, man, that was really thought provoking for me because 
you know, it, it got me thinking about, you know, that, that whole term that was kind of a big buzzword back around like the, the earlier part of 2011, 2012, and the whole servant leadership concept. Um, and that's like, that's exactly what you were describing is that you, you, you lead by example, not by, by force, you know, not by the, the volume of your voice or the tone of your voice. It's by your actions, not your words. Well, and I'm a Christian too. And so that plays a a lot of role in how I serve because I try to be like my savior and be selfless, but we all have our agency. We all have the ability to choose and nobody's going to do anything when they're forced, myself included. I'm very stubborn. So if I'm forced to do something, I almost go the exact opposite and children go that way too. Yeah. You, you might find a man or a father that yells or tries to demand and boss their children around. But I guarantee those are some of the children that are going to have trouble with the law. They're going to have trouble building relationships. They're going to be the kids that are often fighting at school because that is one way that they're getting attention. Although it's negative, that's what they've learned in the home. And so that has to be avoided at all costs. We, we can teach correct principles and the kids need to be able to govern themselves. We can guide and teach and love, but we don't have to dominate and force. Because if, if we try to force someone to do anything, especially our children, they're going to lose respect for us. They're not going to like us. And when it really matters that they follow directions, they're going to not want to do anything you have to say. And then that teenage years are really going to be a struggle in your home. Yeah. Yeah. Lead with love. I love it, man. Um, I've got a, I've got a, a question that I, I wanted to try to ask you earlier on. Uh, and we took a different route, you know, we, we took an audible, but that's okay. But I'm curious. Um, and I've had so many different conversations that have gotten really in depth, uh, with a lot of other guys. And one of it is it, many of us seem to have this, this specific point that we can recall. Not everybody does, but I'm curious, was there a specific point in your life that made you think, in that moment that you needed to become somebody different than who you'd been up to that point? Or have you always considered yourself to be the man you've always hoped to be? Oh, no, for sure not. Um, life's a progression, and um, I still don't even think I'm the man I need to be for my wife and for my kids, but that's life. We have to learn. We have to grow, and I can be. I can try to be better today than I was yesterday. I can be better tomorrow than I was today. Next week, I can be better. And by the end of the year, I should be a far better person than I was at the start of the year. And that's that's my goal. But um, I don't know if I could pinpoint a, a spot that I needed to do better and be better. Um, I think it's just a collection of things like my wife, for anyone that knows her, she they know she has a heart of gold. And so I think that we were married in 2008, and I think that's probably where it started, 2007, when we were dating, 2008, is just that she was such a fantastic individual, so selfless, so loving, cared for everyone, that I knew I needed to be better so I could be worthy of being the husband that she deserved. Wow. That's, man, that, that really hits home because I, there, a lot of times, um, especially in the, in the last several months, you know, I've really thought that, you know, 
it, it's so important for guys to, to learn their own identity and learn their own value and what they bring into the world and, and produce and what their purpose is and to operate within that purpose. That's so vital. Um, you know, because I, I think I really believe we've all been given a God given purpose. Like nobody's just here to take up space. We're all here for a reason. And it's some also, of us do just take up space. Um, that's not our purpose. You're right. You're right. And, and there's no role that's more significant than others. And, uh, I think that, and this ties into the next question I was going to ask, but I've, I've really found that, you know, when you choose a partner, when you choose a, a spouse, a wife, you know, when, when you've made the right connection with that person, that person can help you transcend into more of the role that you're designed to play. And am, am I right? Has that oh, been absolutely. Because the question was going to be in what, in what ways has marriage changed how you view yourself as a man? Well, I've, I've been married for, in a couple of weeks will be 12 years. And wow. I, I've definitely um, become a better individual because I've been married. Um, I joke frequently. And it's just a little playful banter with my wife that, because she, she is so amazing and everybody will tell her that. And she, she knows it, but she's too humble to accept it. And so I tell her all the time, I was like, I tell her, I love you the most. And she says, no, and that's just playful. And then every time she says, you're my best friend or this. And I was like, well, I'm sorry. You don't have the best friend. I'm sorry. Or I say, why did you go to the trash heap for me? Because she's so, she's so much better than me. And I, I don't believe that like I'm the trash heap, but I, I say that just because she deserves so much because she is such an amazing individual and I'm not half the person that, I want to be for her. And so I think that is a lot of where the change occurs in marriage. Um, Being, being married at 22 years old, it's done a lot of life to figure out at that time. And so we've always had a really good marriage just because I saw the example that my dad had, and I really worked hard to put her first and make things well. But I knew I had to elevate myself to even get close to getting on the same level as her. And as much as I've grown, I've still not got to the same level just because she's so amazing. But it gives me opportunity to get better each day. But as I elevate myself, she can also elevate me. She can lift the hands that the hang down is. I elevate myself and she elevates me. We can grow together. And so not only have I become better, but we've, become better parents just because of my desire to improve because I'm willing to fix problems that I might have or weakness that I might have. It allows me to endure trials with joy and it allows me to be a better father. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man. And that goes so perfectly into this next question. Um, You know, you've got quite a few people in your, in your household. How has becoming a parent impacted your growth as a man? And, and you can include foster parenting in that well, because it's the same thing. You're still parenting a child. Well, that parenting is, has been a huge deal. Um, my, 
so we have five children in our home. Three of them are adopted and the other two are currently in the foster care system and they likely will be adopted. And so my first experience of becoming a father was in um, 2008, two days after Christmas, we took our first foster placement uh, of a two-year-old little boy. So I didn't have time to plan and prepare and have these baby showers and think about becoming a parent. My, I woke up one day and my life changed forever. I didn't have nine months to prepare. And I don't know about you, but yeah, babies can be tough, lack of sleep and a learning curve, but to going just you and your wife doing whatever you want as, as a couple to now having a responsibility of an individual that needed you that could walk and talk and was coming into a strange place. So that was my first experience as a parent was as a, to a two-year-old boy that I fostered that came to a new place that was afraid. And so my first experience as a parent had a lot more barriers than the average person would because this kid is running and walking and crying and I'm a stranger to him. His world is flipped upside down. My world is flipped upside down and we had to figure it out together. Wow. Wow. Was that, um, was that kind of like, um, an accelerated learning curve for you? Oh yeah. It was like, um, here's the first day of class and here's the final. <laughs> you need to, you need to pass this test now or game over type of deal. <laughs> like yeah. I, I didn't have a choice not for it to be successful. There is an option in foster care. It's called a disruption or when you have a placement and things are, are struggling, you can disrupt or the child would no longer be in your home. And that they call it a disruption because that's exactly what it does. It disrupts the child. A child in foster care already has enough trauma. And the more homes they bounce to, the more problems that and more trauma that they suffer. And so for me, my approach to being a foster parent is I don't know how long these children will be in my home, but for however long they'll be in my home, I will love them like my own child. I'll give them everything that I have. And at least they will feel and know that they were loved for however long that they were in my home, even if it were just a couple hours. And that approach has given me the ability to love at a far deeper level than I think many fathers can is because anybody can be a father to their own child, but it's very, very tough to be a child to be a father to someone else's child. Mm. And the world will tell you that too. How can, how can you parent them? That's not your kid. And so I think the hardest part of being a foster parent is just the garbage that the rest of the world says, oh, that, that's not your kid. How can you love them? How can someone else's kid call you mom, dad? It doesn't matter what they call me. Every child needs love. Every child needs to be taken care of. And the reason they're in foster care is because something has not been up to par. They haven't been taken care of. They've been neglected or abused or on. And so it's really tough to see a four-year-old that feels like they have to cook their own meals because they've been providing for themselves or a seven or nine-year-old child that has to be the parent to their little baby siblings. And so 
I think being a foster parent, yes, I did have to learn very quickly, but because I had to learn quickly and I didn't have a choice not to be successful, I didn't have the answer book. I didn't have the study guide. I just knew it wasn't an option. And I, these kids needed me just as much as I needed them. And as I needed these kids, I really felt a sense of urgency to care for them. But that is where my development as a husband and father really came into it. Cause we'd been married four years, three and a half, four years before we took our first foster care replacement. And so I think that's where my growth as a husband and father really developed as I had to take care of my wife and I had to take care of the chaos in my home mm-hmm. with a new child coming to a strange place. And that's yeah. not easy. Yeah. Wow. If, you know, biological foster, you know, whatever the situation is, you know, were there ever times or even are there still times, you know, there's a lot of times where we'll have self doubt and voices that creep in our head, you know, wondering, are we enough? Can we do this? You know, am I in over my head? Um, You know, has that ever been something that's crept into your mind? Like, you know, wow, am I able to be the parent that I'm supposed to be? Or am I just trying? Well, no, that that definitely comes in, especially with foster care. They call, in in Nevada, there's such a huge need. There's so many children that need a safe place to be, and there's not enough foster homes. But So we get called frequently, can you take this child? And it's not one child. Usually it's two or three. And that's tough because you never know. You, you can have a normal life. You can get a new foster care placement, get an adjustment and set your new normal. But there's no way to really plan or prepare for your family growing by one or two overnight, sometimes three. For instance, the we had three children and we're like, okay, that's good. We can handle this. This is a lot on our plate as a full-time working and student. And then we got a fourth placement. And for, from February to July, we had four kids. And then that child went home to her parents, which was really good because they cleaned up off the drugs. And that was a huge win for foster care. Yeah. Usually things don't work out like that. But it was so exciting to see her go home to parents, to a dad that actually did the work and was able to get things back. But so when we were at three kids, then we went up to four and then we went back to three. We're like, oh, we can breathe again. Three kids, we can handle that. And then immediately, like two days after our one child went home, we got two more. So now we're at five and we've been at five for the last two years. And I think that's probably where we'll stay Maybe (laughs) they're the two individuals, these two little kids that we have a sweet little three-year-old girl and two-year-old boy. They've got a baby brother that will potentially come in, could potentially come into our home too. And so that definitely makes me feel inadequate because we only have a seven vehicle, the seven passenger vehicle, and we have seven individuals in our family. And so 
that definitely makes me feel inadequate. Can I not handle it? Can I do this? And I don't know when or if that day will happen, but they do have a little brother and it. It's a very real possibility that we would go from five to six children. And we've talked about it for a long time that, okay, we're done. Um, after these placements are over, that's it. We'll close our foster care license and, but we'll do whatever the Lord wants for us to do. And if it's six kids or I better stop there. Cause I'm not going to say another number higher, but <laughs> yes, all, all the time I feel, I can feel inadequate because I, I don't always know the circumstances that these children have come through. And I don't always have the answers of how to comfort them the most. My seven-year-old came into foster care at seven months old and he still will have nightmares or he'll have things that come up and I don't have any solutions for. All I can do is hold him tight and tell him I love him. And those are some of the times I do feel inadequate because of the childhood trauma that they've experienced. I feel an extra sense to have to deliver, to provide. And those are certainly times where I can feel inadequate or am I doing enough? Can I do enough? When, when our home changes, either another child is added to our home or one leaves, that's traumatic for everybody. Most people just think that that's hard on the ch- the children that are coming or going, but it's, very difficult for the children in the home as well. So I, I definitely feel inadequate in all of those scenarios when a child either leaves my home or enters my home because I feel like, okay, especially when a child enters my home because now I have to feel like, okay, now I have to protect my kids. I have to tell my kids what is going on. I have to help my kids grow to love and treat this new child that enters our home like a sibling, someone that they care and love. And that's very difficult to do to bring someone else into your family for young children. Sometimes, usually, usually they like it. And my seven year old, he wants to have, if he would, he, if he could, he'd have every brother, every sister, because he just wants everyone to have a loving family. And so I definitely feel inadequate multiple times, but you just, take what you have and do the best with the circumstances you have and become better each day. And eventually you can make it. And that's one thing that gives me a lot of strength is I may not be good enough now to accomplish what I need to, but through relying on the Lord, I can become stronger and I will become who I need to be for the Lord, for my children, for my wife, even if I'm not prepared at the moment that seems overwhelming. Wow. Man, that that really um, that's really uplifting to hear, and it's really it's inspirational because there's a lot of times where I know guys especially will will put this pressure on themselves, or they'll feel this pressure from you know from their spouse or or from their family or something like that to where they have to be the man, like. You know, not not just in in terms of of male and female, but like really being the man and everything that's supposed to embody, and having all the answers and knowing the right thing to say and the right move to make and how to take charge just at the right time in the right ways. And and I love what you shared about how like I don't have all the answers. Like I don't always know what to do because that's honest and that's true. 
Because I think if, if more of us are in tune with that and willing to face it and admit it in the moment and say, you know, I don't know what to do, but all I can do is this. And that's got to be enough for now, because, you know, what I'm going to do in this moment is I'm going to, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be present. I'm going to love you. And I'm going to do this from a loving, well-intended place. And then, you know, our, our faith, our beliefs and doing things like that is what's going to pull it together. Absolutely. And I think that when we just show up, even if we don't have the answers at the very least, we can say, I love you. We can hold our children tight. We can, we can, um, just do the best we can. Even if we feel inferior, people, people will remember when they, when we say, I love you, when we say, I don't have the answers, but I will give you my best effort. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying to get better. That's what people will remember. Or they'll remember when you quit and when you gave up. But when we're dealing with a family, giving up is not an option. We have to show up. Even through difficulties, we have to show up. As a husband, as a father, if I don't show up because things are hard, life's getting difficult, I don't know the answers, give me the remote, let me watch Netflix. Yeah, That is not just hurting me. That is hurting everybody. So that is my biggest fear is just letting my family down because life gets hard, but I'm unwilling to allow that to happen. So even when things are hard, even if I feel like I'm knocked down, I'm going to get up. And if I can't, if I can't walk, then I'll crawl. If I can't crawl, then I'll roll or whatever. I will find a way to provide for the needs of my children and my wife. And when I say provide for of the needs, I don't mean like all the money, this, that, and the other. I mean, Give them the emotional support that they need. Give them the individual that they deserve. Because every every child deserves to be loved and cared about by their parents, by their friends, by their school leader, by their teachers. There's never enough love to go around, or there's never too much love. Every child can benefit from being loved. And I think that's one thing that we see in foster care, whether a child comes in through foster care and in and out of foster care, they're in foster care for a little while. The ones that have felt loved and know that they're worthy to be loved, they're the ones that have the determination and grit to overcome difficult circumstances, to endure trials well. Other individuals that have been missing that love or feel that they're not good enough to be loved, they struggle with self-doubt, with depression and those things and men mental health is a serious condition that is often neglected but when you take a child that has never been loved or has always had to fight for themselves and and provide for themselves they oftentimes feel like they're not good enough to be loved and so that's one thing that i've committed to myself and my wife that any child that enters my home whether it's my child foster child a friend of my children it doesn't matter these children need love i will show them correct principles i when they're in my home they will be taught they will see an example of how
they should treat their mothers and how they should treat their wives eventually. And I think that's lost in the world today that we don't often have those examples. And so regardless of what life throws at us, when we're loved, it's so much easier to overcome these trials. When we tell ourselves we're not good enough, we, ne- we won't measure up, we don't matter, it is very hard to be successful. It's very hard to find joy in those circumstances. But if you need love, even if you're not my child, I have room in my heart for the love that you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and man, you totally, you totally embody that because, you know, just, just knowing that you, you know, I, it, your love for people extends far beyond the walls of your home. And it shows by the way that you, you reach out to people, by the way that you listen, um, by the way that you genuinely care for people that even you don't even know really. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's an amazing quality. What you're doing, um, and I don't know if you're f- like fully aware of it, is that you are making a significant impact on society just from all of the lives that you've been able to change and transform and impact within your home. Those kids that have come into your care for however short or however long a period of time that is. And that's, that's something that is, is totally respectable, commendable. And honestly, man, we need more people like you. Um, it's, it's amazing. No, we need people better than me, not Ooh. like me. <laughs> ooh, ooh, deep. I like that. I like that. So uh, we're, we're getting to the end of things, and I've got kind of a, a thought-provoking question. Um, if you could see into the future and look in through the window of your, your future home and see yourself in 20 years in those, you know, the walls of your home, what do you hope his life looks like? I hope that looking into my home in 20 years, my home looks like a place of peace. That anyone that enters those walls, they know that they matter. They know that they can achieve any goal that they desire to achieve. A lot of times people say you can do anything that you you want. And yes, that's true. But not everyone will have the opportunity to be a president or to play in the NFL or things like that. But those aren't the things that truly matter. So when I say you can do whatever you want to do, I'm more concerned about the goals you achieve, how you feel about yourself, the value you put in yourself, into your family and to other relationships. And so if I could look into my home in 20 years, I would want to see children that are treating their wife like gold. I would like to see children that is 20 years. My oldest would be 27. So probably married or close to it at that time. And I want to see someone that treats his wife like the best that he can. I want to see people that put their their mother on a pedestal because they are so grateful for the principles and knowledge that they taught. And I just want to be able to see people that are making something of themselves. I want to see individuals in that home 
that are making a difference for others, not for selfish reasons, but life is so much better when, when we're loved, when we have people around us to enjoy it with. And so that's what I want to see in 20 years when I look through the windows of my home. I want to see a place of peace with little to no contention. I want to see selfless service. I want to see someone that is willing to share their abundance with those that lack. And I want to see individuals that just want to be better. Man, that's awesome. And that, and I think that that's totally going to be the case just from the, the, the culture and the environment that you, that you work every day to create. Um, and I think that's, that's totally going to be, uh, what happens over the next 20 years in your, your family's life and in your life. Um, I, real quick to finish up, I want to talk a little bit about what it is that, that you and your wife, Jojo, are doing for people. If you care to, to share a little bit about what it is that you guys do as, as relationship coaches. So in January of this year, we started a business called Our Family Strong. And what it is is essentially that we want families to be strong. But mostly it's relationship coaching. We are right now, we are working with married entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. that are starting businesses because we know that being an entrepreneur can be hard, but we know it's much harder without your family. There's so many times that entrepreneurs go all in on their business and there's families that are, their families neglected at home. Mm -hmm. But what good is having a strong thriving business if it, comes at the expense of your family or what good is it to be a thriving business owner if your children view you as the no-show dad that you're not present Hmm. and so what we do is we help entrepreneurs strengthen their relationship to find greater joy in their spouse to improve their communication and decrease fights and increase the peace at home and so we we do individual couples coaching and we do some group coaching, and then we have we have a Facebook group for married entrepreneurs called uh, Strong Business, Stronger Marriage. We have, my wife has a mom Facebook group called Operation Mom Elevation, and we feel that the family is the single most important thing that we have. We need to take care of it. We need to build it strong, and the family is under attack big time. The world is do whatever you want, get instant gratification now and let the consequences happen later. But my view is we need to take care of our family. Life is hard enough and it's even harder if we don't have good quality relationships. So that's what we we do is we just strengthen the family and we work from the top down. If we can strengthen a marriage, that's going to strengthen the entire family. If we strengthen a marriage and a husband and wife have better communication, that will reflect down into the children. Mm -hmm. If we can eliminate fighting, then children will know how they need to treat their family, their friends, how they need to treat their peers at school. I believe fully that a lot of what we do and become, if we're not careful, is what we see. And so if we see negative influences in our home, 
we will become a negative influence, treat people poorly, try to show dominance. And so we that's why we work with married individuals is we strengthen the family from the top. As the family grows, the cup the if we can strengthen a family and increase the likelihood that a child is raised in a two-parent household, minimize divorce, and all those things, that is a huge win for us because each child needs a father. They need a mother. And that's not they're not always under the same roof, but if we can help it, we would like children to be raised in a two-parent household. And we want both parents to be present in their life in everything that they do. So that's what we do. You can find us on Facebook at just Jojo Rankin or Corey Rankin. Um, we do have a website that's in transition, getting updated. That's called ourfamilystrong.com, www.ourfamilystrong.com. You can join in our Facebook group, um, Operation Mom Elevation, or you can join our Married Business Entrepreneur group, and that's called Strong Business, Stronger Marriage. Love it. Or, or you can message Jason on Facebook. You can message me and find find me however you want. But Facebook yeah. is probably the easiest for now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's whatever I tell people too. Whenever they interview me, I'm like, just look me up on Facebook. <laughs> it's much easier that way. And I'll have all this stuff in the show notes. Uh, so, guys, if you guys are, are catching the replay on this podcast episode. Or if you're watching on YouTube, I'll have it in the notes so that way you know how to, to reach out to the website once it's transitioned over. I know how much that's a pain because mine's in transition too. It's got a lot of updates that need to be made and it's just, it takes time. Um, so, but at least you've got the, the ability to locate how to get in touch with Corey and his wife, Jojo, and figure out, you know, if that's, if, if what he's talked about with what they're doing for people's lives sound like what you need. Uh, because let's be honest. Uh, and Corey, you know, kind of the last, last parting word here. I, I already know your answer just by the way you described it, but I feel like there's so many times in, in family dynamics, we get it backwards and we think that all of a sudden, once these kids come into the picture, that now all the focus goes towards the children and cultivating the children's happiness and their needs. And, and a lot of partners just forget about each other. Oh, that's absolutely true. And I, I don't want to put it as a blanket statement, but if you're an awful husband before children come, there's a high chance you're going to be an awful father. And the reason I say that is because before children, life is hard. You have to make an adjustment to people living together, different views, and you have to become one. You have to become a team. But if you haven't developed the ability to become one, to become a team, and you've been selfish, that's going to carry over to being a father. And not always. And even if we weren't very good at being a husband, we can do better and we can learn and grow and be a better father. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect or anybody's perfect. And I'm not saying that we're going to be the person we desire to be the first day that our, our child is born, but it's going to take work. But anything worth having is worth working for. And I can promise you that a family that loves one another, that supports each other and cheers for each other and roots each other on is worth having, even in the difficulties that we face, whether it's loss of employment, school, other child's death, whatever it is, a family 
that functions at a high level with a lot of love is definitely worth having. And if your family is not that way, then make some changes and make it that way. And if if you feel like you've missed out or your family hasn't been that way when you grew up, then commit to yourself to be the person that you wish you had so your children, your spouse, anybody that enters the walls of your home can feel what you wish you had. So I just want to leave you with one challenge today to do better and be better. Do something today that will make you better than you were yesterday. Hmm. Become better next week than you were this week. And definitely by the end of the year, make sure you're a better person than you were when the year started. Be a better husband, be a better father, be a better friend. And the question that Jason asked was, what do you feel that should should happen? And I feel like just take action. Wherever you were, you can do better. Mm-hmm. If you're not proud of your current circumstances, then today is the day to be better. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. We all have improvement. And if we're not happy with our circumstances, then the only option is to change it, to make it better, to do better. So that is my challenge to you. Evaluate where you stand now and figure out what you can do better. One thing I that you can do to do better is for you that are married or are parents, when you wake up in the morning, think what can you do to lighten the burden of your spouse or your children? And if you think each day, what can I do to lighten the burden of anybody that you're around, your spouse, your children, your coworkers, your friends, you will think less of yourself. You'll think more of them. And that will be the start of you becoming better as an individual. Wow. All right. If that doesn't get you guys ready to just shut off the podcast and go out and just start taking massive action, I don't know what will, because I'm hyped up right now. Um, Corey, thank you so much for, for sharing your, your time and your wisdom and your experiences and your advice with, with us and the audience. Guys, I'm telling you, I've seen their, their video testimonial of a lot of these couples that they have, have impacted for the positive and seeing what they've been able to help them do in their relationships and their marriages. It's, it's incredible. It's totally incredible. Um, so look up Corey and, and his wife, Jojo, and what they can do for you guys. Um, you don't even have to be in a bad spot to want to better your, your marriage. I, I don't think there's ever too high of a point or too low of a point to where you can't make it even better. So look them up, reach out to them. Uh, or if you have questions about how to get in touch with them, message me. All right. And I'll put you guys in touch. I'll make a connection uh, because, you know, better men lead to better families, which lead to better children, which lead to better families of their own at some point in a better society and a better world. So Corey, thank you again for your time. And uh, I, I think this has been one of the favorite episodes that I'm going to put out. Well, thank you, Jason. Awesome. All right, guys, we'll catch you all next week. Take care. So that's it for this episode of Becoming a Better Man. If you found this episode helpful or interesting, something that you could apply to your everyday life, please post on your social media platforms what your takeaway was from this episode, as well as taking a screenshot with the tag Becoming a Better Man. So that way we can help spread the word on Instagram and Facebook and help get more men 
aligned with their purpose, trying to become better every day for themselves, their communities, and their families. 